The following Knowledge at Warden podcast is brought to you by Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their financial goals. Visit Vanguard.com. Additional support for this podcast comes from Wharton Executive Education. For more information on Wharton's executive course, Pension Fund and Investment Management, please visit executiveeducation.wharton.upenn.edu. U.S. stock markets are in a tizzy. The Dow Jones Industrial Average plunged 311 points on July 26th, and most media companies interpreted this to mean the end of the buyout boom. Buyout firms such as the Fortress Investment Group and the Blackstone Group were hit especially hard. How long will the turmoil continue? Could the trouble spread overseas to international markets? What is the right strategy for investors in these times? In an update to the podcast that Knowledge at Wharton published on July 25th, Wharton finance professor Jeremy Siegel offers his insights on these questions. In the earlier podcast, he discussed the continuing crisis involving subprime housing loans and other issues, including economic growth in China and the impact of the strong Indian rupee with Knowledge at Wharton. The stock market plunged 311 points on July 26th, and most media reports say this spells an end to the leverage buyout boom. In your newsletter, though, you describe the sell-off as an overreaction to the subprime crisis. What's going on? Well, what's going on is these waves of fear and anxiety that subprime is going to spread to the entire rest of uh, the economy, uh, and in particular uh, to the to the buyouts that we've been seeing increasingly over the last few months. I think what is really important to realize is that the the bull market in stocks does not depend on this buyout boom. They were only a very few stocks that were actually bought out, and actually it was a signal that uh, a lot of firms said that the stocks in the public markets are cheap. So it wasn't an overpriced market that suddenly is going to collapse because we're not going to have as many buyouts, which is true. We're not going to have as many buyouts as before. But I think that stocks stand on their own feet here, that they, the earnings are, are coming in at or above expectations. The economy is still growing. You know, we had a 3.4% GDP growth last quarter. Expectations are 2.5% for the current quarter. The economy is not falling apart, despite housing. Uh, and as a result, you know, my feeling is, is this was a very strong overreaction uh, in the market to, uh, to the increase in, in these risk spreads. The reaction did spread to uh, other global markets as well. How do you expect them to behave over the next few days? Well, uh, uh, predicting any market over the next few days is always uh, a very, very, uh, very, very difficult. Uh, what we do know is, is two things. First of all, markets are connected around the world more than ever before. So we're going we're gonna to see very strong correlations. We saw what happens in New York, goes to Europe and Japan and everywhere. Uh, you're, you're not going to get uh, independent movements from from these markets. The second thing we know is that volatility breeds more volatility in the short run. So we're going to see a lot of sharp movements, probably both up and down in, in the markets. Uh, but I think they're going to sort, sort themselves out. Uh, uh, in the sense that you know, there's a lot of positive things going on uh, in the markets. Uh, the Fed, by the way, as well as other central banks, have a lot of room to ease if indeed subprime does spread to the rest of uh, the economy. So 
you know, they're, they're, you know, we're not out of options. Even in the worst case scenario, there are good things that are out there for investors. Um, so yes, there'll be volatility in the short run, but I, I think that that spells opportunity in, in the long run. Uh, more specifically, hedge funds have been hit hard in the current sell-off, and there's talk about whether Colbert, Kravis, Roberts, the giant private equity firm, should withdraw its IPO. How do you expect hedge funds to fare in the coming months? Well, we don't really know how hedge funds are done. We certainly know that the, the big buyout firms like Blackstone and, 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 and others uh, certainly have been hit. Uh, Blackstone way, way now below its, its IPO uh, price. Uh, yeah, what, what, this is what's happening. There, there is no question that buyouts are not, not going to be at the level that we saw before, and that's going to hurt those firms. But those firms were making a lot of money even before the buyout the splurge. Uh, they're going to be pinched a little bit. Uh, that's true. Now, hedge funds, um, you know, there's, there's thousands of them out there. They haven't reported what, uh, you know, the, their last quarter, their last month. We're going to see how they do. And that's, that's going to be very interesting because if they're really hurt by this, um, we could see money flow back into the equity markets uh, as a result of people uh, saying, hey, you know, where should I put my funds? Remember, we have over a trillion and a half dollars worth of funds in the last five years that has flowed to these hedge funds out of the equity market looking for better returns. If they're convinced, hey, better returns are not there, we may see some of that come back to the equity market. So actually, there's a silver lining to this volatility we see here, and that is it actually may mark the return of, of equity buying uh, to to the public markets. And in an economic framework, which I still think is sound, uh, you know, that that could uh, certainly mean a, uh, a continued good returns in, in equities. Uh, considering that, uh, what is the right strategy for investors in these times? Uh, in these times, the right strategy is always to stand pat. Uh, <laughs> you know, everyone who has resisted the, the, the temptation, and certainly those that follow the market closely, you get a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach when you see three, four, five hundred point declines. But everyone who has sat tight during those has been rewarded uh, in the future. And by the way, I, I think if this uh, if this decline goes much fewer, Further, or even if it doesn't, anyone who has been sitting on the sidelines, uh, this you know may be a good opportunity to start put some funds uh, back into the market because I think right now, uh, you know, given interest rates, uh, given earnings, uh, we're, we're seeing uh, a, a fairly cheap stock market. In the U.S., where do we stand in the subprime mess right now? Well, it's definitely a mess in in the subprime market. Uh, we are seeing in the last couple of days actually uh, risk spreads widen outside of the mortgage industry. Um, uh, not dramatically yet, but the, the first signs that that's happening. So there are still fears um, of uh, in, in that industry. The, the, the big question is how much it is going to spread uh, to the outside. Uh, I still go with those that are optimistic and say it's going to be contained in the mortgage industry. Uh, it's a mess for those people who invested in mortgages, but it will not be horrible news for other credit instruments. Um, but no question that this cools down the economy because we already see a cancellation of, uh, of uh, uh, buyouts. Uh, borrowing is, is getting tougher. Um, uh, so we're, we're seeing a return to probably a more realistic uh, risk spreads 
uh, in, in the market as a whole. Again, I think it's going to be contained. It isn't going to spiral out of control to cause a, a crisis, uh, but it is going to keep that, that industry down for a while. Why have markets continued to climb, and how likely is it that the Dow will climb over 14,000 again and stay there? <laughs> yeah, it just went there and then came, came on. I, I, think it, I think it is going to go back there. Uh, the, the earnings so far, were, and we're right in the thick of earnings as we talk. This, I think, was 100 firms today. They're, 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 they're mixed, uh, slightly below uh, the average amount of firms beating expectations. The average is around 62 63%. I think we're about 58 uh, percent, uh, but uh, earnings coming in between five and a half and six percent above a year ago, not as good as the first quarter, but still very respectable. Uh, and with interest rates low, we got that ten-year now below five percent. There's been a little bit of a fleeing to treasuries as the as the credit spreads are widening. I mean, that's still the benchmark against which you you look at the stocks. And uh, uh, you know, I think a ten-year bond under five is. Is, 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 is still quite doable for stocks. Uh, the dollar has been falling. Uh, is that good or bad for stocks? Well, it, it's, it's always the, the sort of the conundrum. Uh, as the dollar falls uh, for foreign holders, that's bad. But once it gets down, it's good. So you have to get through some pain to get to a, to a good point. Uh, I actually think a low, a low dollar net is is favorable for stocks. It makes stocks look cheap internationally. It boosts the earnings that get translated into dollars uh, from uh, abroad. Yes, it does raise inflation a bit for imported goods, which is not good for stocks. But I think on balance, uh, it's, it's a positive for the stock market. Emerging markets have been going straight up. Is it time to get out? <laughs> Uh, yeah, they have, and it, it's it's looking a little parabolic as we we now say. Uh, I, I'm I, there's there's great things going on in the emerging markets, and um, uh, I would say I'm still positive, but I'm I'm now watching more closely. And we've talked before that the Chinese market, uh, in my opinion, is is too hot and and overpriced. Uh, I looked at some of the other emerging markets; they're getting pretty fully priced. Um, for optimistic scenarios, uh, not unrealistic at this particular time, but one has to recognize that things have to go right. So I would say uh, don't get out, uh, but I wouldn't start buying in those markets uh, at this particular juncture. Bernanke testified before Congress last week. Where does the Fed stand now on interest rates? Very. His testimony was very much as expected. The minutes from uh, the meeting um, uh, in late June were very much uh, as expected. That's what that's what the market likes uh, uh, a predictable uh, chairman, and I think that's what they have uh, at at the present time. Where does the Fed stand? Right in the middle. They're, they have really balanced forces going up and down. Inflation and the core level is coming under control. They like that. The economy has recovered a bit, but is not overheated. Uh, they like that. There are some risks in subprime spreading. They believe, like I do, that will not be a major cause of a slowdown in the future. So basically, they like the uh, they like the outlook. They're not near to either a tightening or a loosening. And more and more experts are now calling, uh, saying that the Fed is going to be on hold uh, through the end of this year. Uh, speaking of risks, uh, what do you think about oil? It seems to be uh, an important risk out there. Yeah, it is. It was actually very encouraging. I think yesterday we got some 
uh, OPEC officials saying that they're also worried about the price getting too high. It's in the mid to upper 70s right now, and they actually mentioned a price in the 60s is where they'd prefer it, which I think is good. And we've seen oil come down for a couple of days. That, that is a risk. And with the dollar going down, um, it's, 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 it's more of a risk on the upside because it's, uh, you know, when, when you quote it in dollars, it looks more to the, the Europeans and euros. It hasn't gone up that much, but to the Americans and dollars, it, it has. I'm, I'm, um, I'm encouraged by the, the OPEC sentiment. I think we think it's in their interest not to let oil get too high because if it gets too high, then all sorts of, uh, measures to conserve and, and, and curb imports might ultimately hurt them. They want to keep it high, but not so high that, that uh, the governments take extreme measures to reduce the consumption. So I hope we see a peak here, but it's something always to keep your eye on. China's economy expanded 11.9% in the second quarter, its fastest growth since 1995, and it follows 11% growth in the first quarter. The question is, can this pace be sustained, and should it? Certainly not forever, but uh, for a long time. Uh, I've, I've been a bull on the uh, Chinese economy as it's catching up, you know, to even semi-Western standards. I mean, you know, levels like South Korea or Taiwan or something like that. It can grow 8 to 10 percent, even 11, occasionally 12 a year. Uh, I, I've, I, you know, I've, I, people were telling me it was getting overheated at 8. I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, inflation is, you know, a little bit higher in a couple of places, but my feeling is that they are not reaching constraints uh, that will cause it to slow down. Again, when I say that, 8 to 10 sounds more normal. You have one blip up on, onto the 11 to 12 scale, uh, but still very rapid growth, I think, for, for years to come. The Chinese government has, in fact, said it would, it would take some actions to slow down the rate of growth, so they're thinking that it's a little bit scary for them. Um, they raised interest rates last week for the third time since March, uh, part of which reflects the continuing attempts, as you mentioned, to slow inflation, which rose 4.4% in June. Uh, a lot of that was due to uh, inflation in the food area. What else can the government do to ensure orderly rather than chaotic growth? Uh, actually, the government is more worried right now about the stock market overheating than they are about uh, the economy over in. Yes, there's been some pressure uh, on, on food prices. And, uh, uh, but but I, I think that really they're, they're, they're not comfortable maybe with 11 or 12, but they're comfortable with very rapid growth. My, my feeling is, is that uh, their priority is not to let the stock market get overheated it probably already is, but not to get more overheated and and then turn into a severe downturn that really could could harm the economy. Uh, if in fact the the stock market is overpriced, as you've said, can you predict when there might be a rough landing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, no one knows when a bubble will break. That's the thing. You know, wider, l- longer, longer. In fact, the history of bubbles is they always go longer than you think. Um, so I'm not going to put, uh, you know, I mean, the, the, the popping of the Chinese bubble has been declared many times and, 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 and not yet. Uh, that's what they're worried about. They're, they're, they don't want things to get so out of control, 
you know, you don't want to go into a Japan, which had the Nikkei up to 40,000 1989, then fell to one quarter of that level. Of course, it, it was a very different economy than China. But uh, they don't want a bubble. And uh, my feeling is, is raising interest rates, raising taxes, I've talked about transaction taxes, is all to try to slow it down. And I think they will. If it goes, they, they will start raising rates and slow it down. And if it slows down the economy a little bit, that will be all right because uh, they don't want to face the consequences of a burst, a bubble. So that's um, – I think they can stop it. Uh, they have got to balance the economy versus uh, they want to harm the economy too much. But given how strong it is, they wouldn't mind a little slowing on that side. And they can do a lot yet to keep that stock market under control. So I don't think that's a not a control situation for them. That's what they're, that, that's what they're eyeing now. Part of the growth story there is the huge jump in China's trade surplus, which increased 85% over a year ago. Uh, the U.S. continues to urge China to revalue the yuan and import more U.S. goods, especially agricultural products, which would help the, the food inflation. What are the chances that Beijing will let the yuan appreciate more quickly going forward? Well, we're not that, – that's, that's, a, that's a tug of war. As you know, I've never been real sympathetic with aggressive moves towards China to force them to revalue the uh, yuan. I think that that actually could harm the U.S., um, more than it helps the U.S. Um, they have been a little more flexible in their de, uh, their revaluation of the yuan. It's been going a little bit faster. That's all I think you're going to do, uh, maybe just a little bit faster. I do not think they're going to give in. They're very scared. If they just let this yuan float in the market, it's going to go to about four to five to the dollar and just uh, tremendously disrupt uh, prices of, of their exports. Yeah, the Chinese consumer is going to be well off. They're going to buy all these consumption goods and uh, name brands at much cheaper prices, but they'd, they'd prefer to have orderly trade and pricing. So my feeling is is that we're going to continue to make noises, um, and they may go a little bit faster, um, but there's not going to be a radical change in their yuan policy. There was a time when the Indian rupee was about 47 or 48 to the dollar, uh, uh, in recent weeks, the Indian rupee has appreciated to 40 rupees to the dollar. Uh, what do you think are the implications for the global competitiveness of Indian firms? Uh, yeah, this is, is this is painful. It's it's been the the strongest uh, really uh, uh, appreciation of of the rupee in uh, over 30 years. As I look back at uh, at some of the uh, uh, the data, um, basically. Um, uh, they they have a big cost advantage. This has gotten a little sl- uh, smaller, which means which is good, uh, which is means that they're going to have to continue to watch costs on on the exports. I think they should use this appreciated rupee to um, uh, to lower prices to consumers and to encourage the middle class because everything that they import uh, is is ten percent cheaper, ten fifteen percent cheaper than it was before. So, uh, I mean, I think even oil has gone down perhaps in rupees over the last uh, six months. So there are good things that come of it towards the consumer. My feeling is is that uh, India should not move against this move. Um, uh, the exporters have had it really good. Let's, get, get, let's give the, the Indian consumer a break here and uh, you know, continue to ma- make sure that the exporters are going to have to stay on their toes as far as competitiveness is concerned. 
You know, the exporters, especially the IT companies, uh, many of which earn their revenues in uh, in dollar-denominated revenues, uh, they have been complaining about the impact on earnings. Are there any things that these companies can do to 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 hedge their uh, earning potential? Well, there are, I, 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 there there obviously are hedges they can put in the foreign exchange uh, market. It's interesting. It's kind of the reflection of what's going on in the U.S. because the dollar depreciating. We're getting more for foreign earnings. Their dollars that turn into to less rupees, and they've got to pay in in, in rupees. So uh, again, you see the you see the re, uh, you see the reflection that's going on here. And by the way, I mean it's not just India. Uh, almost many of the developing countries in the world, uh, uh, Thai, uh, Thailand, in fact, one of the reasons they try to put stop the capital from flowing in, uh, that's a major reason for the appreciation, um, was when they you know, put the big stock tax on uh, about six months ago and that backfired with a terrible reaction in the market. They took it off. Uh, Philippines have had a very strong currency. Many, uh, they're, they're not alone. So in some sense, India... Uh, it's happening to other Southeast Asian countries. Uh, all again, the only thing that can be done is again to to watch your your costs very very uh, uh, carefully and continue to to push efficiency. Uh, should the Reserve Bank of India or the Commerce Ministry intervene? What is the appropriate role for the government at such a time? Well, I would – my feeling is no, they should not intervene because my historical studies showed that a lot of the 97 crisis was because currencies did not appreciate. Uh, that was during the era of fixed exchange rates in Thailand, Taiwan, Indonesia, Philippines. Uh, and by not letting them uh, appreciate, uh, they actually uh, attracted more capital. By letting it appreciate, people are a little bit more cautious because it was a little expensive now. And all that capital that came in, they couldn't deploy it uh, favorably. And uh, the result was uh, overconsumption, deficits, and then finally devaluation. So uh, this is actually, uh, as I say, a much better way. Uh, it, It is painful for the exporters, but as I say... Look at the other side of the coin, the consumers. Try to emphasize that as a gain. Net, a strong currency is good for a country. It's not bad for a country. Um, they shouldn't just be beholden to the exporters. Um, um, they should listen to those people, who the consumers, who, who, who are going to gain undoubtedly because of the strong currency. So just as the exporters are hurt, uh, which sectors of the Indian economy do you think would benefit from the strong rupee? And what would be the right way for India to manage this trade-off? Well, I, again, the consumer is going to be helped. And uh, you've got to make sure that you open up those uh, import markets, that you allow f- prices to be flexible um, and give the consumer a break. I mean, balanced growth requires not just pushing exports, but also developing your middle class. And you develop your middle class by passing on some of those those price gains uh, that you get through strong currency uh, to, uh, to lower their cost of living. Great. Jeremy Siegel, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me again, Mughal. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upen.edu.